shut up, you listen to my monkey mouth. As a companion, when you got pun on the canoe route, popped in a portal and got in a fight. Elias knocked him out. Bow, Marco fighting style. Bow, you'll see he tapped out. Bow, we win, we get crowned. Monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth. Alrighty, Armchair Army, welcome back to another iteration of Armchair Mixed Martial Arts. This is Joshua, as always. On this episode, we're going to be going over our UFC 281 preview, as well as looking at some of the fights that happened here recently. So, uh, just to dive right off into what everybody wants to hear about right off the bat, let's just talk about uh, UFC 281 for a second. Uh, it's headlined by uh, the middleweight championship fight between Israel Adesanya and Alex Pahea. And if you're any at all familiar with this, you know that these guys have uh, some serious history. Uh, there's a few really good fights I want to work in, uh, you know, from the bottom of the card and work my way up. So, let's see, UFC 281 right here. And so... I mean, wow, what a, I mean, they've got Dominic Reyes and Ryan Spann on the freaking preliminary card. That's how stacked this card is. Now, granted, uh, Dominic Reyes has been on kind of a skid, which it's difficult to call it a skid when the guy's only been losing to champions. Like, I think he lost that fight to John Jones, who's obviously the greatest of all time. Uh, that 205 at the bare minimum uh, and then he lost to uh, Glover who took the belt and then he lost to Yuri who wound up going on and being the champion so it's not like he has a bunch of really really suspect losses or anything like that but it definitely will start to get dicey if you start losing like four fights in a row you know they're gonna have to uh, do something but I do believe that Dominic Reyes is the the betting favorite against Ryan Spann which might come as a little bit of a surprise considering uh how long it's been since dominic was actually in the octagon and how active ryan's been uh ryan's a big big athletic guy uh so you know the typical uh differences in athleticism that dominic reyes likes to lean on in order to win or maybe won't necessarily be there with a big strong athlete like ryan span uh, if I had to pick this one, uh, I'd probably wind up leaning Dominic Reyes. Um, but it's no disrespect to Ryan Spann. If Ryan Spann winds up winning this fight, I won't be shocked at all. Um, but I, I just do think that uh, Dominic Reyes is probably the, uh, the, the more athletic of the two guys, realistically. Um, but again, I don't know. It's... It's going to come down to small stuff, right? Technical stuff. Um, and in, in my heart, it feels like Dominic probably has a slight edge. But again, it's nothing nothing drastic from my perspective. Um, they call out a pick on one, right? I don't feel super, super confident in that pick. But uh, I had to lean. You know, a, a tree falls the way it leans, and I lean towards Dominic Reyes on this one. I'm not going to go out there and tell you to bet the house on Dominic Reyes at all. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we're looking at here. Uh, Brad Riddell and Renato Moicano. This is a dog fight. These guys are going to fight it out. Then a son of a bitch. 
Uh, can't wait for that. Andre Petrowski, he's a dog. I'm not too familiar with Wellington Terman, but Petrowski's a beast. So, you know, whenever you've got Dominic Reyes and Ryan Spann on the on the prelims, like I feel like they could be headlining their own fight night, and they're on the prelims. So let's take a look over here at this main card and see how good this is looking real quick. So, man, what a fun fight card is all you can really say. Starting from the bottom, you've got Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puez. And they're never doing Dan Hooker any favors. Claudio Puez, 13-2 and two on the come up. The guy's a beast. But uh, Dan, at least, is, I believe, the betting favorite in this one. Uh, you know, his, his record looks so salty at 21-12. and 12, But the truth is that uh, he's just fought so many tough dudes that were on the come up you know he, he's catching guys when they have all the momentum I really do believe that Dan Hooker has the tools to be the champion um he just keeps getting dealt these wild hands by the UFC that's just a shark tank they're 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 no easy pass to the championship um so you know hopefully he can turn it around uh you know I, I love to pull for Dan he's a seems like a sweetheart right he cha he trains out of the camp with israel and them big fan of that whole camp i think that uh eugene Behrman's a sweetheart and i think he's got a really really good thing going over there in that gym the entire culture they seem like a bunch of great guys and also uh the way he persevered through what was happening to them over there uh with the pandemic they basically uh, if i'm not mistaken had to basically run like a an underground fight club to to do their training and so you know he's had a lot to overcome also they're very very strict with the way they uh do their traveling and their quarantining and so every time he's left he's had to have just all kinds of crazy layovers and wait periods and quarantines just to go be with his family which again he's a family man takes good care of his family by all accounts you know he's a sweetheart sweetheart guy you know, uh, and, and I want to pull for him really, really badly. So uh, I would have to pick Dan Hooker in this one with him being the with him being the betting favorite, with him having the experience advantage, and with this probably being the first fight that he's had in a little while where he actually, you know, wasn't uh, the underdog in my mind. So uh, let's go, Dan Hooker. No disrespect to Claudio Puez. If he wins, I'm not going to be terribly surprised. Um, I, I I do feel more strongly about this one than I do feel about the uh, Dominic Reyes Superman span fight, um, but it isn't an overwhelming sensation, right? It's not like oh my God, Dan Hooker, no way he loses this fight. Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. Uh, I admittedly am not super super familiar with Chris Gutierrez, so. I'm going to be watching this fight intently to try and learn as much as I can about him. I also may throw on a couple of uh, fights on Fight Pass between here and there to try and get some information in on him, but I'm not entirely familiar now. Sorry. You guys are going to think I have to deal with me being, a, being an uninformed, uh, unprofessional piece of shit. <laughs> no one ever said I was a professional, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, but I, I know I'm a big fan of Frankie Edgar, but... He's been being really, really chinny, and it hasn't been looking the best for him in his recent fights. As much as I'd love to pick Frankie Edgar, 
Um, it seems like picking Frankie Edgar's kind of sus these days, and I don't know enough about Chris Gutierrez to speak on it from a position of something other uh, to speak on it in a way other than ignorantly. So I'm not going to pick anybody in that fight. Um, I'm probably leaning not Frankie, even without having seen much of Chris Gutierrez. He's 18 and three. You know, it's a that's a it's a good record. No, we're going to see. Like I said, I'm not telling y'all to gamble on Chris Gutierrez. Not at all. And then we've got Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. And this fight is fireworks. This one has fight of the night written all over it. There's basically a 0% chance that we wind up not being thoroughly entertained by this fight. Uh... I mean, everybody knows Dustin Poirier. He's been in the game for forever. Knocked out Conor McGregor. I mean, the resume the resume is lengthy for Dustin Poirier. And then Michael Chandler has come into the UFC like a wrecking ball, knocking out Tony Ferguson, putting on exclusively, exclusively fun fights. Um... Yeah, there, there is no boring fight with Michael Chandler. The, he's like the goose that lays golden eggs for the UFC at this point. They they really, you can tell, they want to take care of that guy. So, um, man, I don't know how to pick this one. Um, you know, they're both different kinds of fighters, right? Michael Chandler uh, lands just night-ending bombs on people, right? Uh, and we know Dustin Poirier is hard to finish. Uh, and then Dustin Poirier throws, you know, five to 12 punch long combinations, hooks and uppercuts, mixing in straights. He's, his boxing's out of this world. So, um, you know, this is going to be a sword fight. This is They're, they're going to be living on the edge this whole time. Either one of these guys could make a mistake Poirier could crack Chandler and he could be swarming him and, and taking his back and choking him or go, you know, finishing the fight however it winds up revealing itself to him once he's swarming him. Uh, and Chandler could <laughs> probably wind up landing a big bomb, really rocking Dustin Poirier uh, and, and, you know, being able to get on top of him, probably ground and pound finish him or something. I don't think you're going to put Poirier's lights out. But then again, I didn't think there was any putting out El Kukui's lights either, and he definitely uh, punted El Kukui's face off. So, you know, to say that he can't knock out Dustin Poirier is probably insanity. So, uh, I think Michael Chandler can knock out any human on the planet. <laughs> like, human brains aren't meant to get rattled that way. <laughs> so, uh, Michael Chandler um, is going to have the punching power advantage, but I don't know how to pick this one. You, you know, I know how to pick it. I know who's going to win. We're going to win. It's going to be an amazing fight. There's no way that we walk away from that not entertained. Let's see. Carla Esparza and uh, Zhang Wei Li. I'm pulling for Zhang Wei Li. The, the, the memories that I have of Zhang Wei Li are her war with Joanna Zhozhechek. And... Uh, the fights that she had with Rose Namajunas, you know, fun, fun fights. 
and the memories that I have of Cookie Monster are the fight she had with also Rose Namajunas, and that is just such a bad taste in my mouth, man, that I can't get over it. You know, Carla Esparza is uh, an incredibly patient, an incredibly disciplined, an incredibly skilled wrestler, and, uh, you know, clearly has the capacity to formulate a winning game plan and stick to it uh, outside pressures be damned crowd booing whatever potentially getting on the bad side of the ufc brass whatever you know she she's gonna do what she feels like she needs to do to win and so you know it's hard to pick against her but uh i definitely feel like uh whaley is probably the more explosive athlete out of the two and so it's gonna come down to can the disciplined metered approach of Cookie Monster outlast the explosive athleticism of Zhang Weili? And, uh, you know, man, it's probably going to be Carlos Bars. It's probably going to win the fight. But uh, my heart is calling out to pick uh, Zhang Weili very strongly. And they say the heart has reason that reason knows not of. And so I'm going to follow that feeling, dog. I think, I think I'm going to pick Zhang Weili. Um, I, at least I know that's who I, uh, that's who I want to win. No disrespect to Carlos Barza. You know, you did what you had to to win that championship belt. You're now the champion. You're fighting co-main event, UFC 281. You mission accomplished. Um, so, you know, all the respect to all the fighters. I don't ever mean any, I don't ever mean to hurt anybody's feelings by picking against them, but. Um, that's part of the show. So that's what we're doing here. And then, uh, finally we get to the main event, which is like the thing that I'm certain everybody is more or less tuned in today for. Uh, it's a super interesting fight. Obviously there's history there. Alex Bahia has beaten Israel Adesanya twice in kickboxing, knocking him out emphatically at least once. Uh, I can't remember how the other fight went, but I know he starched that boy in the in in one of the fights it was it was rough it was a tough looking knockout to be honest um but izzy's my guy he's into naruto i literally run a konoha companion naruto review show podcast um homie's my guy you know what i'm saying uh you're never gonna catch me pet picking against israel adesanya on a personal level um I do sincerely believe that he is the more experienced mixed martial artist at this point. Um, and I say that only insofar as he's got more experience mixing the martial arts, right? Obviously, Alex Bahia is an incredibly experienced kickboxer, and he's got quite a good uh, resume in mixed martial arts, but his resume in mixed martial arts is clearly not as stacked as Israel Adesanya's. Uh, I believe it's also going to be more difficult for Alex to catch Israel. The angles are different inside of the octagon versus inside of a square, right? It's much more difficult to... Uh, corner him and it's also much more difficult to uh, keep him against the ropes because the in, it's not as wide a surface right you can't 
work them along the ropes for the entirety of the uh, of the octagon right the the octagon has more angles and so you know just the 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 way it's all going to lay out the footwork battle is going to be slightly different and also uh, it's going to be harder for him to hit Israel because they don't have the big the big gloves on, right? These are only four ounce gloves, and so your weapons are literally smaller and therefore more difficult to land. And so I think with the angles being different, and with the gloves being smaller, and with Israel Adesanya having the experience advantage within a mixed martial arts setting uh, i think that i can definitely pick israel adesanya in good faith right not just maybe picking him because he's my boy because i love him for fucking uh, reasons x y and z you know i actually think he's going to win the fight uh, i think that he's going to just be slicker in there like it's going to come down to if alex Bahia can get him wrangled in and knock him out and the last guy who I really felt that same way about where that was really their only option was Paulo Costa. And we saw what Israel Adesanya did to Paulo Costa. He made him look foolish. So uh, I think I think Israel Adesanya picks him apart, keeping his distance, fighting where he wants to fight. Alex Bahia having to come forward through the danger zone to try and land his punches. And, uh, yeah, I think that he's going to fall behind on the cards. And the further into the fight they get, the more desperate he's going to get to try and either get back ahead on the cards or to try and get the finish. And I think that desperation is definitely going to lead to opportunities for Israel Adesanya. And I don't think Israel Adesanya is the type to not make the most of those opportunities. I think he, you know... I don't know if he's going to finish him, but I definitely think he's going to beat the hell out of him in the last two rounds. I think it's definitely going to be the Israel Adesanya show in the in the in rounds four and five. Um, but you know that's that's a that's a that's a big Brazilian Terminator. Like that guy is as big or bigger than Dominic Reyes, who's a two hundred five er. Uh, I <laughs> frankly to this day still don't quite understand how Alex Bahia makes it down to one eighty five. It's out of this world. So, I mean. You got to respect the guy just for his discipline and ability to even make that weight, considering how he walks around. Uh, there's not much fat to trim off either. So, uh, he's, uh, however, he's cutting that weight, more power to him. But, uh, you know, the fight isn't unwinnable for Alex Bahia, right? Um, if he can get in Izzy's head and get Izzy to engage in a brawl, that's Alex Bahia's payday. Right, that's how Alex Pay is gonna chiching it if he gets Izzy out of his out of his game plan, out of doing what he wants, and gets Izzy fighting Alex's fight. Man, Alex can do it. Alex has the punching power to knock him out. Right, he's four ounce gloves. Right, they're harder to land, but they land to greater effect when they do land. So, um, you know, he could knock him out with those with those boxing gloves. He could definitely knock him out with the four ounce MMA gloves so um it's a dangerous fight very very dangerous fight for Israel Adesanya and you know as the fight goes further along and as Alex maybe gets more desperate to try and get ahead on the cards as I see it going man he's gonna get more and more dangerous 
He's going to get more dangerous as the fight goes along, especially if he starts getting behind on the cards. It's going to get fucking wild. I don't think that he's the type to not go out on his shield. Like, that guy, the way he's staring Izzy down in the in the press conference when they're like, you know, like you can tell, he wants to beat Izzy's ass. Um, so it's going to be a very good fight. Um, but at the end of the day, I've got to make a pick. And for the reasons I outlined earlier, I'm going to have to pick Israel Adesanya on this one. Now, that's basically a wrap for the for the 281 preview. I do want to uh, go over the uh, fight night that happened um, over the weekend. Uh, the Amanda Lemos versus uh, Mahina, Rodriguez, Mahina Rodriguez fight. Uh, and that whole card, there was some really, really cool stuff that happened on this card that I want to go over. Um, one thing, man, Shanna Young cut off her dreadlocks just to get mauled by Miranda Maverick in a unanimous 30-26 mauling. That's sad, man. I hate, I hate that. That's rough, man. Um, you know, the girl was growing that hair out for a long time and she cut it off and then to go out there and, and get done the way she did. That had to be a hard evening, hard night at the office for her. So I'm sympathetic to Shannon Young. It's hard, hard night at the office girl. I see you like my heart's with you. Um, but it was Miranda, it was Miranda Maverick's night. <laughs> Miranda Maverick looked exceptional wrestling on point, takedowns on point. Um, you know, she fights like that. She's going to be a problem for literally anybody in women's flyweight. So keep an eye out. On Miranda Maverick, it's looking like uh, she's in the right headspace to do some really, really big things in her next few fights. I would, unless they throw her to someone outrageous, I would probably comfortably gamble on Miranda Maverick in her next fight if she goes out and performs. It, it, if I can expect her to go out and perform the way she performed last night or you know over the over the weekend in her next fight, yeah, let's go for it. Let's definitely do it. Uh, one of the coolest wins of the night for me was Grant Dawson taking it to Mark Madsen. Um, I'd seen Mark Madsen fight a few times and it was always not super entertaining, right? I can respect the guy. He's an Olympic wrestler. He's wrestling and controlling and et cetera, and et cetera. And he's winning his fights, right? But it got to the point where it was like, oh, it's a Madsen fight. I was almost kind of dreading them, right? Like they're not super entertaining fights. No matter how you slice it. And I'm an enthusiast. I love watching the grappling and stuff. It's not that... It's just not... A, wasn't a lot going on in, in the last couple of his fights, as far as I can recall. I remember them not necessarily scratching the itch for me. And uh, so to see Grant Dawson come out and wrestle Mark Madsen the way he did, out of this world... Uh, he said, and he said he was going to do this shit. He said that he was going to get at Mark Madsen's legs, make him defend takedowns, and get on top of him and make him figure out how to do it from bottom, right? Because Mark Madsen, every time we've seen him fight, he's always on top of people, and his top control is out of control, right? But it's clear um, that his takedown defense is not on level with his takedowns, and his bottom game is not on level with his top game. And Grant Dawson showed that and uh, it was a it was man a really just textbook performance out of grant dawson i can't rave over this performance out of grant dawson well enough he went out there and out wrestled an olympic wrestler for the first two rounds and 
uh, you know, every time they were standing, he was out striking him and put Madsen in a situation where he had to get desperate in the third round. And whenever that happened, he actually had an opportunity to stand and strike, right? Because he knew that Madsen was going to have to be going for a knockout or something crazy. And, uh, man, Grant's striking looked phenomenal. Uh, hit him, hit Madsen with a ton of leg kicks, wound up knocking him down with a leg kick, uh, and then following him down there and, uh, and submitting him. Uh, I reckon he choked him. Yeah, he choked him. Uh, beat him up so bad that when it went to the ground, he choked him. Uh, and so, man, just exceptional performance out of Grant Dawson. He remains undefeated in the UFC. Props to him. Mark Madsen, you know, got an excellent skill set, going to keep winning fights. Just met his match that night. Tagir Ulan-Bekov got a first-round submission over Nathan Manis. I mean, he looked really, really good. Everyone needs to keep an eye out for Tagir Ulan-Bekov. Y'all hear that Ulan-Bekov name again? Might be somebody to bet on. Shaw Yulon got a first-round knockout over Derek Minner. Um, yeah, really, really fun. Really, really fun knockout there. Um, and then we had Neil Magny, who got a uh, submission over Daniel Rodriguez at 3 minutes and 33 seconds in the third round to overtake George St. Pierre, the, you know, the unanimous welterweight GOAT, surpassed him for total wins in the welterweight division. So he now has more wins than GSP. How holds the record for wins at welterweight in the UFC. So big, big props to Neil, to Neil Magny. I saw where he called out Gilbert Burns and I saw where Gilbert Burns responded via social media saying that uh, the UFC apparently already has him an opponent set up for uh, the next big fight uh, the next big numbered UFC event in Brazil um, but that if that opponent doesn't come through he's 100% on board to fight Neil Magny um, you know, no Magny has been fighting for forever. He could also just hang out and wait for Gilbert Burns after that fight or whatever. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever Neil Magny wants to do at this point is where I'm at with it. And then uh, the main event, um, Amanda Limos got the uh, TKO over Marina Rodriguez. Looked amazing. Uh, only big things on the horizon for her moving forward. Uh, and then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go and do any previews on any of the upcoming fight cards. I will save that for the 281 review. Um, but there were some some things that had happened that I had uh, I had seen that I wanted to talk about, kind of just in the general um, space, right? Oh, uh, man! One thing that most people might not know is that Chandler and Poirier were uh, were teammates at ATT back in the day so they have some uh, they have some experience man and uh you know those guys who spend that time in the gym they deep down feel like they all kind of know who wh who's where on the totem pole so uh it, you know I feel like deep down these guys probably know how it's gonna go um man at the f uh the fight card that happened over the weekend four people missed weight it would have been five if it hadn't been for old girl cutting her dreadlocks off uh literally the most i've ever missed at a single fight card 
I, again, am such a big proponent for how uh, one championship does it. Uh, where they do the hydration testing and there's no there's no there's no cutting tons of water weight alex bahia could never be a 185er in 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 one championship and i think that's fairest and i think that's what's in the interest of the long-term health of the fighters too so you know i'd love to see people having to go in there and fight at their walk around weight this is this is you healthy on a tuesday versus this person healthy on a tuesday let's go the weight cutting stuff it causes we i mean obviously people miss weight uh people come in drained and stuff and it's just so many weird variables that wind up happening because people are cutting all this weight i wish that we could implement a system that would disincentivize it I saw where Paulo Costa said on social media that he's just about out of his abysmal UFC contract and he's heading over to the lucrative sport of boxing afterwards. Um, you know, good for him. I hope he's, uh, you know, I hope he's not bluffing, right? Because uh, if he is, that's not good. The UFC doesn't play this type of shit, man. I mean, Tyron Woodley has been outspoken about how uh, creating trouble for the UFC created trouble for him in his career. Um, and just who wants trouble for them in their career, you know, and that's what, that's what the UFC is going to give them. And, um, you know, I understand, uh, standing up for yourself and all that, but you know, whenever you're trying to make your money, maybe wait till you're on the way out, but uh, he's on social media saying he's on the way out. So maybe this is, you know, his Luke Rockhold moment where Luke Rockhold kind of told off the media and spoke on some of the bullshit that the UFC was doing. Uh, on his way out of the sport whenever he kind of knew it was his last fight um and so maybe paulo knows this is his last fight in the ufc and he's kind of talking his shit he's saying he's about to be out of his contract and he's gonna be going to boxing so if you take him at his word that's exactly what's happening but uh you know paulo costa's a, a habitual troll online so there's there's no there's no telling it's it's hard to take him at his word when he's being a shithead online all the time man there was a there was a brawl at the bare knuckle fighting championship, the BKFC after, uh, Jack Grady got disqualified for multiple intentional headbutts, uh, against his opponent, Ryan, uh, oh fuck. I, I have a typo, but his opponent, he, uh, he headbutted him several times. And when the ref disqualified him, Grady went over and shoved his opponent. And this basically a brawl started out in the, uh, in the, BKFC president Dave Feldman literally uh, was like part of the gang of people who tackled Grady uh, to the ground after after he uh, assaulted the uh, the other gentleman after the fight was over. Uh, that's one of those things, man, where these contact these contact sports and shit. Uh, whenever it's outside of when it's consensual, that's assault. Like the moment that fight was over, the moment that ref went and you walked up and shoved that man, that's assault you know, that's real life assault, uh, and so, you know, you, you can't be doing that type of shit, and it, and it does everything that the people who are working against the BKFC want, right, the people who don't like it, or like, it's human cockfighting, and look at how they're animals, look at how they're acting, and you're feeding into that, right, like, if, and so, I just wish he hadn't acted so uh, short-sightedly in the moment, right? It's a bad look for the sport. It's a bad look for him. 
Um, and I don't think there's any positive that's going to come of it for anybody outside of maybe the BKFC as an organization is going to get some extra shine. People are going to look and go, oh, it's crazy, and maybe look at it more. But in the same token, they're going to they're giving ammunition to the people who are trying to fight against it. So tough spot, man. Wish that he wasn't intentionally headbutting people. Wish that he wasn't assaulting people after the fight. Wish he wasn't causing brawls. Uh, you know, his time's probably limited in that organization when the fucking president of the organization has to tackle you because you're assaulting one of the one of your coworkers at that point. Uh, oh man, Bryce Mitchell is on site with Sugar Sean. That's so funny. Uh, so Sugar Sean said something to the effect of, uh, you know, this is big talk coming from a guy whose dad fucked his sister, right? And so that's clearly alluding to Bryce is an inbred or that Bryce comes from uh, at the bare minimum it's communicating that you come from a family where your dad's fucking his siblings, right? Like, come on. And so, uh, Bryce took that as being called an inbred. And if it isn't him being called an inbred, it's at least an insult on his father. Right. And like, you don't insult someone's pop, you don't insult someone's pap, you know, that's on site shit. And so, uh, it's on site. And Sugar Sean has even gone to social media. I never called Bryce an inbred. You fucking played with fire, homie. Like, that guy's going to strangle you out there in the real world. <laughs> that guy's going to be in a ghillie suit. He's going to drop out of a fucking tree. It's going to be a rap. It's going to be a rap. He's a bigger guy than Sean. He's fucking going to be wrapped in camouflage. This is the wrong human to fuck with, man. This is the the wrong person arkansas fucking mountain person leave that guy alone <laughs> but i low-key thought the comment from uh from sugar sean was funny but also ain't mad at the response from from bryce mitchell so uh you know this is just good old-fashioned fight world drama man that i can't get enough of just feed me this shit eat it like freshly washed booty uh man jake paul and anderson silva came and went yeah that was fun um you know i felt like anderson had probably won the fight honestly i felt like jake paul won like the first and the last round and maybe one extra round other than that it was pretty much the anderson silva show but i don't know enough about boxing i guess it's been a long time since i was watching and giving a shit about boxing so maybe i just don't know what i'm looking at but uh either way um jake paul knocked anderson silva down in the last round which was super impressive um yeah he went in there and fought hard it was it was really really cool like it was a good fight i enjoyed it um and you know jake paul made the gamble with anderson silva that if he won Anderson would have to serve as the president on the fighters union that he would have to co-found with, uh, Jake Paul. And so, uh, you know, evidently the, the founding, the founding of a fighters union has been one of the goals of Jake Paul since the outset of this whole thing. And I'm from a union family. My dad was local six, six, nine sprinkler fitters, gang, gang. Uh, so I'm a big Darren Elkins fan. He was also a sprinkler fitter union man. And so, um, I'm all for unionization, right? There's there's a reason why Dana and them don't want these books open because it ain't pretty. They're out here raking everybody over the coals, paying people $10,000 a fight or whatever. Um, 
I, I sincerely believe that if you are one of the 600 athletes on the UFC's roster, you ought to be making enough money so that you can focus on your craft. Period. And if the UFC isn't going to pay them enough money to focus on their craft, they shouldn't be getting in the way of the acquisition of sponsors for the fighters so that they can pay for the things they need to. Right? Don't say you can't go get a sponsor because we have this sponsor who's going to pay you shittily when guys like Francis Ngannou can communicate factually that you're costing them over a million dollars a year in potential sponsorships with the way that this uh, arrangement is, is, is done that's meant to be for the benefit of the UFC and the sponsor, not necessarily in the benefit of the fighters. Right, and so uh, either way, you know, if you're a, if you're a fucking practice squad left guard in the in the in the nfl you're you're making enough money so that you can focus on being a practice squad left guard in the ufc none of those guys are also waiting tables you know um and so i think that they need to unionize i think that they need to uh work it out so that they can have a, a a god honest livable wage and you know it's one of those things where they say the wage is livable etc say it's a very surface level assumption to think that someone who's making 80 K a year is actually making a livable wage as a fighter, right? Like these guys have to pay significant portions of their purses to taxes. They have to pay significant portions of their purses to their trainers. Um, there's several, several layers of costs that are involved, um, for these fighters that most people don't take into consideration, right? They just hear, Oh, well they made 80 K this year. That's who makes 80k you know that's good money well it's really maybe more like 40k after travel and medical and god knows what else you know what i'm saying there's a million things these fighters have to fight have to pay for so at the end of the day i think the bottom line is that anybody who signed to the ufc roster ought to be making enough money so that they can focus on their craft and not have to go out and develop secondary streams of revenue just to keep their just to just to support themselves financially to stay afloat rant over uh biggest news of the day kane velasquez is out on bond pedophilia is bad don't molest people's kids over a long period of time get fucking shot bro um yeah good on kane i'm glad that he's out on bond i hope that he fucking gets acquitted or whatever i hope that he doesn't have to spend another moment in jail for what he did uh, and you can call me a bad guy for that, whatever. Don't listen to my podcast. That's the great thing about it being my podcast is I don't have to pander to you. I'm doing what I like. And if I'm going to alienate a particular portion of my potential viewership, that's cool. You guys can go eat dicks. And with that, I love everybody who's tuning in. You guys are great. If you're fucking siding with the other team because I'm anti-pedophilia and pro-Cain Velasquez, you weren't meant to be my viewer in the first place, dog. So you guys who are sticking with me after that rant, Love you people. You guys are great. Uh, I can't wait to catch you guys on the UFC 282 or 281 review. Um, yeah, it's an exciting night of fights, man. I mean, like I said, whenever you've got Dominic Reyes and Ryan Spann on the prelims, dog, it's a stacked up card. So everybody tune in. Keep an eye out for my shorts that I do. You know, I like to do my little reaction videos during the fights. Um, so if you're a broke boy who isn't able to buy the fights, you can at least uh, get a get a quick response in. Sometimes do these guys get knocked out, and I make my video before they even officially announce it. So you can stay pretty on top of it if you tune in.
again monkeymouthstudios.com go to the monkey mouth youtube channel and subscribe podcast find it everywhere um but again thank you all for tuning in catch you guys on the next one peace